from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Michael Jordan made a lot of money today. Not that he was struggling. My mic was off. Yeah. That air movie, it's pretty good. Was it good? Landmark deal, you know, for, for shoes. Well... I mean, I own several pairs of Jordans right now. You're committed to the brand. Well, I mean, those That's are actually those are dunks. Actually, uh, I I got my bought over at my over over at my f- favorite place, Capital BST, in terms of buying shoes and sneaker and apparel and all that kind of stuff. Capital BST is the way to go. I'm actually wearing my Spider Verse across the Spider Verse Jordan One high tops right now. These today. are fire. I don't know if you, you know what? can lift those. Lift those on in the screen. I'll, I'll lift them up. Here. I'll, I'll I'll fill for you I for a second. Uh, yeah. You uh, watch the Into the Spider Verse movie. It's hard not to want to buy. It's, a pair it's of hard Jordan not ones. to love these. Uh, they're actually if you go on Twitter, actually go on Instagram at Capital BST. I'm sorry, yeah, at Capital BST, the the place where you can see all their inventory. But at the Fan Rookie, uh, actually posted a reel of these shoes. Uh, they are quite phenomenal, and these are the exact ones that Miles Morales wears in the movie. So like a little, but like. Kind of like the different color pattern and stuff you see because he's jumping from different universes. Going into universe, the Spider-Verse. Going into the Spider-Verse. Uh, so these, that's the pattern that this is all based off of. So I'm going to put this shoe back on. But as I put this shoe back on, we're going to bring on Josh from Raleigh because congratulations, Josh from Raleigh. You just won a $500 gift card to Bailey's Fine Jewelry. You entered in our text to win contest for Father's Day. Congratulations, Josh from Raleigh. What is the first thing that you're going to purchase, or what's something you might look to purchase with this $500 gift card from Bailey's? I'm actually not sure. You're not sure? Hey, that's fine. You know what? Walk in there, explore, find something you like, go for it. Minority stake in the Hornets, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, well, and I'm not sure. It may end up going to my fiance. Hey, hey. I like that, too. That's as Pat Walter said. That's the ultimate dad move, by hundred percent. Because my dad's not a big watch person. Okay, that's totally fair. Hey, you know, you might, you might find yourself a nice gold chain or something for yourself. But Josh, congratulations! You won a five hundred dollar gift card to Bailey's Fine Jewelry. Congratulations! Uh, stay on the line. Graham will get all your information. But enjoy your weekend, good sir. Going to the beach. Hey, I'd there you go. Talk. Going to the beach. Congratulations to you. So, yeah, stay on the line, Josh. Graham will get your information. As we mentioned a little bit ago, I'm, I'm wearing Jordans. Michael Jordan sold a majority stake. It's got to be approved by the Board of Governors, but it's going to happen. He sold a majority stake of the Charlotte Hornets for $3 billion. Where's Dr. Evil when we need him? Right. Our four-of-a-kind things that we will purchase with $3 billion. Let's go, Pat Welter. You first. Yeah, first things first, talk about Father's Day. When you become a father, you can't buy things for yourself anymore. And my PS4 is on the fritz. Is it? And I'm thinking, I might never get a chance to buy a PS5. I don't even play video games anymore. Well, I basically use the PS4 just to, like, watch Netflix and stuff. I enjoy, you know, kind of just even having the remote in my hand, kind of the controller gives yeah. me some nostalgia. Every once in a while, yeah, I'll play The Last of Us. But so I figure, you know, $3 billion, sure, I could get all the PS5s or just one. It's not about the money. It's about the object and the sentimental value. So I'm getting a PS5 with $3 billion. You could buy Sony, I'm pretty (laughs) sure, 
Wait, as opposed to just a PS5. That's further down on my you list. Could, you could buy, like, all the, like, just the PlayStation arm of Sony. I... There's some games that are Sony exclusives. I have an Xbox, but there's some Sony exclusive games that I would love to play, like the Spider-Man games. Look phenomenal. Those look well done, yeah. Look phenomenal. Web slinging. How fun is that? Just like The Last of... I actually do want to play The Last of Us. Oh, it's the great. I fantastic. beat it, yeah. Uh, actually, what I would buy for $3 billion, I would buy the ACC's media rights. Yeah. I, that's I, the problem right not, there. Here's the thing. The Big Ten's deal, that they're like that seven-year deal, whatever it is that they signed, with Fox, NBC, CBS, where they kind of diversified. And it's only like a billion dollars over that seven-year stretch or so, whatever it is. I could do that with three billion. Yeah, I'd buy the ACC's media rights. What are you going to do with them? That's the question. Whatever I want, they're mine. There you go. Put them on some obscure streaming channel somewhere. Exactly. You know what? Everything gets fed to just my just <laughs> my computer. That's it. I can just watch all the games, but they're getting all the money. That's fine. That's what I do. As long as you keep UNC, NC State, and Duke in the same conference. Oh, of course. No, I'm, I'm the ACC would stay intact because of my media rights deal. Fighting the good fight. Right, exactly. of course. Take I'm, that, SEC. Yeah. You know what else I buy? I buy a majority stake of the Charlotte Hornets. It's worth $3 billion. Go right back in. I just go right back in. Who doesn't want to be a pro <laughs> sports owner? That's what I do. Buy a majority stake of the Charlotte Hornets. It's well, it would clearly be a good investment because if $275 million could turn into $3 billion, yeah. what could $3 billion turn into? $9 billion? Maybe. That's the thing. Why sell? Why? Yeah. I guess Jordan needed the cash. Well, I guess Just apparently not selling enough Spider-Verse Jordan Not ones. catching enough fish at the Big Rock. Maybe not. Maybe he's going to buy a whole fleet of boats. Maybe he'll buy the Big Rock tournament. I mean, that thing pays out pretty good. About $5 million purse. Yeah. What's next on your list? All of the AI. Yeah. <laughs> You would just buy artificial intelligence. Yeah, it scares me. Yeah. So I want to control it. And I burn I, it. I just think back to iPhone and uh, iPod. So yeah. I'm in high school, about 2005. I'm a junior, and I'm one of the first piece of people in my high school to get an iPod. Yeah. And I saw it all right there. I had a cell phone in one pocket, an iPod in the other, and I'm like, they're going to do this with these two things. Combine them. Yeah. Apple, stock up. Unfortunately, I was working at a grocery store as a cart and bag boy. There Didn't quite have the portfolio to invest in Apple at the time. Mm -hmm. That stock has gone up. So I look Slightly. now at AI, and I'm like, give me all the AI, because that is the future. They're going to be doing my job. They're going to be doing your job. They're going to be doing Graham's job, Don't all of our say jobs. Say that out loud? But uh, that's why I want to buy it. Oh. Because then I'll, I'll at least have money until the AI takes it from me, <laughs> along with my soul. And just you in general. In my name, name image, you <laughs> like this. They're just going to destroy <laughs> you. I've seen, I've seen Terminator. The right, new Black I, Mirror, by the way, they just on Netflix. Oh, you watch I haven't that watched show? it yet. Great AI episode, the debut. Oh god, I don't want to know. I don't want to, don't want to know. All right, what's next on your list? All right, so you want to buy PS5, all of artificial intelligence, and what else? What's now next? I'm more of a movie guy sometimes than a sports guy. So you want to buy a sports team? I'm gonna buy the movie studio, so maybe no. I get, maybe I'll buy Sony Pictures. Yes. they'll throw in the PS5 for me with a couple of Sony exclusive games. Yeah, I want to tinker with my money. I just want to start throwing it around on scripts, start greenlining some cool projects. Let's get, um, you know, Ryan Gosling working again. He's doing Barbie. Let's get you back to Place Beyond the Pines and and Drive the stuff you should be making. You know, I, I'm gonna fund good art. I I would I would take that. I would buy. Because the Marvel Cinematic Universe overall is great. 
I would buy the DC universe to make that great. Make that better. Yeah, to it's make not that, that hard to tell these stories. You watched Into the Spider-Verse? Come on. I, I, I'm skeptical of The Flash. That's coming out. People seem to be into it. Uh, I'm going to watch that doubts. this weekend. I'm going to watch that this weekend. I'll let you know for sure. Uh, what else I'd, I would buy if I had $3 billion? I'd buy every Jordan 1 sneaker at a size 12 and a half, every colorway possible. You know why? Because I can. And then if you had all of them, that would be basically as good as gold. Basically. You would control honestly, the market. I would. I would every, finite resource. Every size 12 and a half Jordan 1, every colorway. Which, by the way, I need to – I'm actually – after the show today, I'm going to swing by Capital BST, and I'm going to see if they actually have a Hornets colorway – Jordan one because they did it. Well, it's like the teal. It's it's mostly white, but it has a lot of teal and a touch of purple in there with it. I need to find that shoe. And that stock X price is going up, right? So you get well, that now. You want to keep it? No, no. But here's the thing: you don't don't deal with that stuff. Go right, to Capital That's where you BST. go to them. You don't got to deal with these exactly. auctioneers out don't there. Don't deal with that crap. Go in store and actually buy it yourself. Last thing on my list that I would buy: I buy every comic book, one copy of every comic book ever printed. I buy the first ever appearance of Superman. That's right, Action Comics number one. Detective Comics number one, first Batman. Amazing Fantasy 15, first Spider-Man. I would buy every single comic ever printed. Mm. Ever. I think we just lost the great uh, Marvel artist We did, recently. John Romita Sr. And that you was kind of bringing classic, me back. classic, classic Spider-Man artist, John mm. Romita Cedar, Sr., R.I.P. Yeah, that was taking me back to like when I owned comic books. That's the thing, the kids what? these days, like we're just old enough that we still lived in the comic book age. Now, I don't know if it's Kids read unless them. you're a hobbyist. Them, well, people read them digitally now. Yeah, well, that's not, that defeats the it's purpose, not the, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. It's to have the little plastic sleeve. Yes. It's to protect the page. It's to get like the, remember I had this X-Men one that was like gold metallic and like a little bit harder shell on it. Like, you yeah. know, it was on a limited edition. Yeah. And that's fun. Where is that? probably my mom's closet someday. I didn't, find I didn't it. keep it, but uh, I need find to get back it. to it. Yeah, that, that was bringing find me back. It. Uh, my last thing, I like that we're just buying up all of these certain products that we like. Yeah. I'm going to buy up one that I hate. Oh. Leaf blowers. <laughs> Wait, what? I hate leaf blowers, You hate man. leaf blowers? It's like a giant Ponzi scheme. Leaf blowing to nowhere. Where are the leaves going? They're just making them somebody else's problem. It flaring up people's allergies, waking up people early in the morning. It's a scam. Now, I had somebody tweet, tweet at me about this because I went off on a little bit of a rant about leaf blowers. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. They mulch them. They bag them. I've never seen anybody mulching leaves after a leaf blower. They're just blowing them elsewhere, scattering the, the debris. I'm taking all the leaf blowers. We don't need them. I'm going to okay. rake like an old-fashioned blue-collar dad like I am. There you go. Those are four of a kind, four things that we would buy with $3 billion. I'd also buy a mountain. That's also high up there on the list. Get married on top of a mountain. I could. One of these days, I just might. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's hit it and quit it. I want you to hit it. The College World Series is officially underway. We have Oral Roberts and TCU deadlocked at two right now in Omaha in the top of the seventh inning. Wake Forest gets underway tomorrow. ACC has two schools in it, Wake and UVA. So that is all underway right now in Omaha. But, Pat Walter... They say in baseball, the way to win is to score more runs, right, than the other team through the end of nine innings, but not in Omaha. The winner is actually determined by something completely else. Yeah, apparently jello shots. Yeah, jello shots. Bringing those back, huh? Like, that's kind of like a fun party trick. And uh, there's a bar uh, up there in Omaha that is apparently tallying jello shots and i i'm unclear whether these are from the actual players or just from fans no, they're of definitely the teams. not from players okay so it's fans of the teams out there Goodness. and yes let's do play a little game here what school off the top of your head do you think would be leading okay so all right there's a place called rocco's it's over there in uh in omaha rocco's pizza so again they have a, a leaderboard that goes up in terms of number of jello shots taken for for schools. Now the the eight schools in the College World Series. Florida, TCU, Wake, Virginia, Oral Roberts, LSU, Stanford and Tennessee. So of those eight schools Honestly, I probably would look at this I probably would actually would say LSU or Tennessee. They'd probably be the betting favorite. And the books would be correct because they are lapping the field with the latest tweet. Really? 564 jello shots. What? But how about Oral Roberts? Shout out to them. 206. Those fans travel. Yeah, actually, I'm seeing 296 right 296 now. 296 at the tally. Live live updates. Wake, wake in the mix as well. Yeah, 447. So, at Rocco's Pizza, which is, again, right there in Omaha, it's $5 to do a Jello shot. It's a Jello shot challenge. Five bucks to do a Jello shot. And you pick the school that you want to associate this Jello shot with. And it seems like in the past that there are schools that have won the College World Series that have been the leaders on Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge. Well, maybe just the passion of the fans translates to how dialed in the program is. I don't know. Or maybe just, you know, Jello gets, I don't know. I don't know what the secret is. I haven't had a Jello Shot in a long time. I think the last time I had one was Halloween. You, you, you go trick-or-treating, and some of the houses will uh, have some treats for the adults. Oh, and a jello I've shot was one of them. Never indulged. Those will sneak up on you. You know, you have one, you're like, is that was there anything in that one? Then you have three. And it's weird like you're digesting the alcohol, you're not drinking the alcohol. Interesting. It's almost like a yeah, the different way that goes through the bloodstream. Yeah, never done that before. So uh I I, I cannot I cannot speak to it. But the jello shot record last season, actually came last year, June of last year, Ole Miss. 18,777 cello shots were taken in regards to old in regards to Ole Miss last year. Did Omaha 18, run out of jello powder? Like I don't know, but this Rocco's pizza, this Rocco's jello shot challenge, you think of five bucks. 
Five bucks for a jello shot. That's kind of a lot. Well, that's a good profit margin because you don't need. That's not a lot. Like, it's, no, there's no guarantee how much alcohol is in each one either. Yeah. They're probably using, are they using like grain alcohol, like you're in college again, like at one of those Jeez. parties where they just have like a uh, a cooler full of Everclear, no, Everclear Jello shots. It just like burns, stings the nostrils. So apparently, this is also something that they do with this as well. Is they actually donate the money to the schools that are involved in the College World Series. So that's actually part of it. So it's five bucks. You choose your school, but they also donate money to those schools that are in there so my, it's like me like general scholarship funds or things along those lines so I wonder how the pizza is apparently fantastic well at least people are going to be going there for jello well, you know the jello's good i'm not putting the jello on the pizza pineapple pizza maybe jello pizza i'm gonna pass definitely no pineapple on pizza that's for sure get that out of here all right let's quit that let's hit this i hit it so good the U.S. Open is underway at Los Angeles Country Club out there in L.A. Let's give you a leaderboard update. The top three right now. Wyndham Clark already done with his second round. He's nine under par total for the tournament. He was three under today. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both sitting at eight under par. They've yet to tee off today. Uh, Ricky Fowler is actually set to tee off here in about eight minutes or so. And then uh, coming up in about a half hour is when Xander Shoffley is set to tee off. Again, this is L.A., so it's three-hour time zone difference. But those are the top three right now. But again, Wyndham Clark already done through two rounds is nine under. Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley sitting at eight under, tied there for second, and have yet to even tee off today. Harris English is seven under par. Dustin Johnson and Roy McIlroy are six under par. This U.S. Open update is teed up by Leesville Taproom just off of I-540 at the corner of Leesville and Strickland. Generally, the U.S. Open, Pat Walter, is notorious for having... High scores, high challenging scores in the play, sense of like a lot, thick, like, rough, yeah, real, challenging very, pin placement. Very thick, a uh, lot of strokes out there uh, in the U.S. Open. Oftentimes, barely above even will actually win the U.S. Open for you. Sometimes over par might actually Sometimes win. they get a little carried away, and it's yeah, like, okay, like, USGA, it's let's like, settle down yeah, We're going to make this really, really tough because, you know, we have that pride. It's like, cool down. Like, yeah. Like, like, just make a good course and let the players play. But seeing these kinds of scores under par, kind of staggering in my mind. Wyndham Clark, nice story. Guy who won uh, the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow this yeah. year for his first PGA Tour victory. But I think, you know, the rooting favorite right now is Ricky Fowler, who's been a kind of a beloved player. He's flashy, you know, part of the kind of the new movement on the tour, but then kind of filtered, kind of fizzled out. But here he is, got a chance at his first major. So it's a long weekend. A lot of golf left to be played. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. How you doing? Mike Dunleavy Jr., former Duke basketball star, played in the NBA for a long time. Worked in the front office starting in 2018 with the Golden State Warriors. Elevated to general manager of the Warriors. Yeah, and uh, the brotherhood, Duke. Yeah. The alumni in big places. Uh, and I got to say, like I said earlier, probably calling up his buddy John Shire because he's got big shoes to fill here with Bob Myers who, you know, helped orchestrate four championship teams. And last year's championship was the one that kind of surprised me. You know, that's that's them coming off of the Steph Curry injury. That's them kind of rebuilding on the fly with hitting on a draft pick like Jordan Poole. Uh, but then this year they have to deal with the Draymond Green punch, which kind yeah. of fractured the locker room a little bit. 
and now they're going to have to deal with contracts. So difficult time for Dunleavy to step into. But when you've got Steph Curry as your backbone, mm -hmm. that's a job that a lot of people would want to take. It's a not – it's definitely not an easy situation like you said. Some of these guys are getting older. The whole thing with Draymond Green punching teammate Jordan Poole in preseason of this past year. And even Steve Kerr kind of acknowledged that they never, as a yeah. team, never really like recovered from that. Uh, but he, I think Draymond has a player option for this upcoming year. Yep. His value, if he goes on the open market, he ain't going to get anything near what he could potentially get with Golden State. But Dunleavy has a major, a, a major decision on his hands already. Even if Draymond exercises his player option, you have him for another year. Are you going to sign him to a deal? And Don't the know. CBA is changing. And yeah, there's that too. The Warriors have notoriously been like, how how could you possibly pay all these guys? Well, they've been paying through the nose in luxury tax. Yeah. And the way the new CBA works, it's got something called a second apron, which is basically like it's a harder cap. Yeah. So the penalties are stiff if you go above it uh, significantly. And it's basically going to create a model almost like it's like NBA jamifying uh, NBA <laughs> yeah. basketball where people are going to have two stars. And it's going to be kind of like a stars and scrubs kind of system. It's going to be difficult to fill out your roster unless you want to eat some of those uh, penalties for going over the second apron. You know, here's something that we're probably going to see. So, for example, we saw with the Denver Nuggets winning this past year, the NBA or this season, the NBA championship. They have only Jokic, Murray, they're two big stars, quote unquote. Now, I know they went and got guys like uh, Aaron Gordon. They drafted Michael Porter Jr. But we're going to start to see teams that have a like three really high paid players on their roster, like max contract guys that even if you just have two max contract guys, what's really going to start to be valuable to teams are second round picks because that's to be the way that you'll supplement your roster where you're going to have to develop and build players because you can send guys down to your G league affiliate and build up guys that way. But second round picks, because again, those contracts really aren't guaranteed. They're worth a lot less than, than high first round picks and lottery picks. So you might actually start seeing teams trading assets away or trading, for example, trading an expiring contract to a team that actually needs to actually fill cap space. For example, like the Houston Rockets right now are actually trying to find guys to sign because they actually have to, you have to spend a certain amount. There's a cap, but there's also a floor in the NBA as well when it comes to their CBA. So you have to spend up to the cap. This is where a team might take on like a Gordon Hayward's contract. Like, okay, we'll take on that contract. It helps get us above the salary cap floor, but also throw us an asset with it. That's what teams might start to do. These veteran teams might start trading away different things and getting second-round picks. Those actually might start to come very valuable moving forward, and the Hornets have three of them. NBA probably in. the hardest sport to be a GM because it's yeah. so hard to find these guys. And if you don't have one of the five, you almost don't have a chance. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like the NBA is in a, a transitional mode here. LeBron's on the way out. Yeah. Kevin Durant's on the downfall. Uh, Chris the Paul. The Warriors are transitioning as well. So there is an opportunity here for someone to seize the new throne. Uh, as, you know, I look at the Orlando Magic, Paolo Bencaro. I was going through the list of – of players in the league the other day and I'm like who's my favorite young player and I was like you know what I think it's Paolo Bancaro might be you just kind of go know. down the list a little bit you're like all right Devin Booker okay like a lot of these guys have kind of had their moments and maybe not come through yet I mean, you know Giannis is one uh, Jokic as well but it's an interesting time uh for different franchises to emerge here uh out of the out of the chaos comes uh you know it comes a diamond I don't know
I think that, that but, analogy but, didn't quite work there. No, but. no, no. I know it's yeah. I know what you meant there. Now, before we get into a young star like John Morant, we'll get into that here in just a bit. But when these guys that do transition, like you're talking about, like LeBron James, I mean Kawhi Leonard, just because of his health and stuff, like he's gonna fall into, the, he's gonna fade into the background. But you do have guys like Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. But those guys are like 27, 28 years old. It's not like these guys are just fresh out of school out of a few years. That might be 22. Who is that next like young star that's right now? I mean, a lot of people thought it was going to be Zion, but he doesn't play because he's always right. hurt. And that's why I got down to Paolo because then the other one was John Moran. Yeah. And that's which, one of the other headlines today is 25 game suspension. Let's hit this. For next season. Damn, that feel good. John Morant suspended for 25 games this upcoming season. Based off of, we saw him suspended for a little bit last season, late in the regular season, where he was seen in a nightclub flashing a firearm at a nightclub in Denver, actually. And it's like, well, that, there's things like that gun's not, you don't have that license in that state and those kinds of things. So there's even just like the legal issues when it comes to those kinds of things. Because NBA players, you're not allowed to travel with weapons. <laughs> that's like a league rule. Thank you, Gilbert Arenas, I believe, for that one. But that's it's a it's a league rule. So he got suspended eight games for it. But then we saw soon after they got eliminated from the playoffs, he's in a vehicle once again. There's a and he's he's on live Instagram live. And there he is in a vehicle, music playing, flashing around a firearm once again. It's like, dude, what are you doing? It's because it's like he didn't hurt anybody. Now he no, had he a not. weapon on him that obviously is a lethal weapon mm-hmm. but the, it's a it's an odd situation because it's just judgment yeah like to do it the one time you're like okay i understand young you're dude, young mistake i get it um but then this like on video yeah like and he knew he was on video it's with his best friend as well as taking the video like bro that's your job help out your friend here yeah he's the money train for the whole crew like what are you doing you're sabotaging yourself that's what this whole thing has been. It's been self-sabotage mm-hmm. from Job Rand, who was on the cusp of becoming the face of the league on a team that looked like about a piece away from being an, an NBA title contender. So it's it's troubling. But I'm also wondering, surprised maybe, that we don't see players struggle more often. You know, I think the NBA has done a great job of, of cleaning up its image. Uh, David Stern did a big thing with that. Maybe he overstepped at certain times. But sure. that was one of his... Uh, mission statements was to clean up the image of the league and I think a lot of this isn't attributed to him I think it's just attributed to basketball like to make it in the basketball world you have to be so focused so disciplined you have to come through so many prep schools AEU teams you need mentors you need finances you need to be polished I mean these guys are superstars from middle school yeah they're really going to make it in basketball so they come in with maybe a different level of maturity than some of the other sports, uh, different preparedness for the spotlight. And John Morant was a guy that came from Murray State that wasn't necessarily as heralded as some of these other people. Maybe he wasn't ready for it. And the fame came to him quick. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, he was the face of the league. There wasn't a bad thing you could say about him. Like, he seemed like a great guy. He played with an incredible passion and exuberance. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe some of that same recklessness that he plays with on the court is clearly showing itself off of it, and he's got to learn how to filter that energy into a positive way. I hope he does. He's, the young man's got a bright, bright future, and he's one of the young stars. So fun to watch play. In the NBA. 
Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Bruh. More basketball-related stuff. So this is actually a story coming out of Wake Forest. Freshman Bobby Clintman averaged about 21 minutes a game this past season playing for the Demon Deacons and head coach Steve Forbes. Only averaged about five and a half or so points a game. But this guy has the NBA body. This 6'9", 6'10", long arms, can dribble the basketball, can handle the ball really well. Your prototypical NBA body that teams just covet. If you were to carve out an NBA body for a wing player, he'd look like Bobby Clintman. All right? That's just how he's built. So he goes to the combine. He's like, I'm going to declare for the draft. Let's go to the combine. We'll see how things go. Goes to the combine. Gets what's called a, a promise from a team that's set to pick in the bottom part of the uh, of the first round. Okay, saying, hey, you're going to be taken in the first round. So he decides, you know what? Fine, I'll stay in the draft. As opposed to going back to Wake Forest, I'm going to go to the draft. On the 12th, earlier this week, was when the deadline was for you to either stay in the NBA draft or withdraw per NBA rules. Mm -hmm. NCAA rule, if you want to be eligible to play in college again, it's June 1st. So June 12th rolls around, Bobby Clintman withdraws from the NBA draft. Well, he can't go back to college. So now there are a lot of questions being raised of like, well, wait a second. Why all of a sudden now are you like pulling out of the draft? What happened? Did this team that promised you, quote unquote, that you're going to be a first round pick all of a sudden be like, eh, not so much. And then a lot of teams start figuring out he might not even get drafted. So, well, what's he going to do? Well, he doesn't want to go undrafted. So now he's going to go play this upcoming season in Australia and then try and reenter the NBA draft that way. Well, Steve Forbes, head coach of Wake Forest Demon Deacons, talked today about the the bad situation he feels like happened between Wake Forest basketball and Bobby Clintman's agent. So, Pat Welter, it seemed like the agent that Bobby Clintman signed in college in January, signed for NIL purposes, really didn't have that in mind. It seemed like he wanted him. I wonder if this is what the agent wanted all along. Yes. Now, you would have to wonder, is this what Bobby Clintman wanted all along? Either way, it's the outcome he got. And it's an interesting debate. What is the best path to the NBA? Now, I understand from Steve Forbes' perspective, it's very difficult to run a college basketball program these days mm -hmm. between the transfer portal, NIL, and then you've got this kind of, let's call it tampering or just different agendas that all align. But if I'm Bobby Clintman... Maybe I am better off going to play in Australia. Maybe. It's almost like the shiny new thing philosophy, the unknown. He goes, he plays over there. He gets lumped in with names like Lamella Ball, Josh Giddy, Usman Dang, RJ Hampton, who played in this league. So there's a spotlight on it in a different way, and there's an unknown to it. It almost has like a sexiness to go play overseas or to be the G League guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Now, my conventional understanding of college basketball in the NIL era is that this should strengthen college basketball. You'd think. Because where are you going to build a stronger brand than being in the NCAA tournament? You're not going to get NIL deals by going to play in this Australian league. Now, it but might you can get paid. It might make scouts look at you in, in a way, like I said, the shiny new thing overseas. So it's an interesting debate on what the best path is for you to make it to the league. Uh, you know, you go, you play over there where you just kind of like can, I don't know, showcase. You don't have to play within a college system necessarily. You can truly be more like AAU style. Maybe yeah. that's a better place to showcase your NBA skills. 
I don't have the answer. I just think it's an interesting question that we're trying to figure out right now in this new landscape. Steve Forbes has been asked a lot about the situation regarding Bobby Clintman in terms of like, hey, why this guy all of a sudden pull out of the NBA draft when he can't come back to Wake Forest? Forbes discussed that earlier today, not only sharing that information with the media, but what he told other ACC coaches as well as athletic directors a couple months, about a month ago. In addition, I shared this situation with the head coaches and ADs at our ACC meeting in May after we were told that Bobby was not going to return to Wake Forest. I was very upfront and transparent when I spoke to the coaches and ADs about the disingenuous facade of his agent signing him to an NIL deal with no intentions of helping him generate any NIL income. Instead, his only intention was to control Bobby's draft decision and shop him to other college coaches to negotiate an NIL package. According to NCAA rules, the, an NIL, NIL agent is only allowed to discuss NIL opportunities with their client and not the professional basketball opportunities. An NIL agent does not have to be certified by the NCAA. And you've heard me say many times, I find that that probably needs to change. All right, so the agent for Bobby Clintman, by the way, his name is Michael Tellum. He also represents other NBA players, so it seems like this guy probably didn't have the best of intentions. This, that, that's the impression that I'm getting. I can't say it for a fact, but the impression I'm, I'm getting is that let me attach myself to this young guy who might be a pro prospect. Let me go ahead and get in with it now before he has the potential to sign with another pro agent. I, I kind of skirted the rules. I, I just don't know, right? Like, that the way Forbes paints it makes it seem like it, it's what you're saying. Yep. But why would a guy in this position who works for a major agency, Excel Sports Management, has legitimate clients, Danilo Gallinari, Emil Jefferson, who's now a coach with Duke? I don't know. I, I just it's interesting why he would why he would do that. So I'm wondering, like the agent's job is to have my client's best interest, but it's also to get paid as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Clintman's still with them though, from what we heard from it's that conversation. So if Clintman didn't like what was happening on his behalf, fire him. He just get fired all the time. Yeah, it happens. It happens. More great news for carry commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done Michael Jordan selling a majority stake of the Charlotte Hornets. And we look back at the 10 years of new ownership here in North Carolina, basically going back the last five seasons, Mm -hmm. five years. Tom Dundon took over 2018 of the Carolina Hurricanes. 2018-2019 was the first full year that he was the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. They've made the playoffs every year since. And the only franchise in the NHL to not only make five straight playoffs, but also win. No, there are other teams that have made the playoffs, but the only franchise to win 
a postseason series in each of the last five years. The I'm, only franchise is the Carolina Hurricanes. Dave, the, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and the key thing he did there was to empower the right people. Yes. In Don Waddell and Rod Brindamore. All those things happening at the same time. Yep. And it's been a home run ever since. You know, that's one thing we're talking about. Michael Jordan hasn't been able to find the right people to run things for him. He has not. But let's also look at his neighbor right down the street, David Tepper with the with the Carolina Panthers. Did not empower the right head coach when he hired Matt Rule. Over one Terrible. on coach? Over one. Over maybe three or four on QB now? About seven. Because again, they they tried Bridgewater, they tried Baker Mayfield, they tried Sam, Sam Darnold. Darnold. They went let's draft Matt Corral, let's DJ do Walker. all this other stuff. It's just it was all Jacob Easton even played snaps at quarterback. Ugh. This past season. But that's the situation that they put themselves in. Seems like he's learned in terms of getting Frank Reich as well as going up, getting the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. So, okay, it looks like you actually, well, you do have a competent NFL head coach. Frank Reich had success with the with the Indianapolis Colts. And Bryce Young, by accounts of pretty much everyone out there, was the consensus number one overall pick. Okay, you got that. Hopefully, Hopefully you get that right. If you got those two things right, a lot of other things will take care of itself. But Tepper, a little bit of a rockier start, to say the least, for his tenure at Carolina. I see a little bit of a disconnect in how he made his money versus yeah. how he's run the team. Mm-hmm. Now, he would probably tell you, and he did uh, to us at, at draft night in Charlotte, that he's good with numbers and comes from this numbers background. Sure. Hedge fund manager, mm-hmm. billionaire. Yeah. Speaks for Done itself. A lot of, he's made a lot of money. But he's kind of been running this franchise like a gambler or an angel investor yeah. where he's just throwing darts at the board till one of them hits. Now, maybe that is the way he ran his business. And there's certainly a, 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 you know, a strategy behind that where if you keep making investments, one of them is going to pay off. That's kind of the idea of angel investing. But if one of those don't hit, you keep making yourself a bigger and bigger hole. Yes. And that's what they've done here as far as like they keep trading draft capital. Now, they get some of that draft capital back on uh, the Chris McCaffrey deal, but they mm-hmm. didn't get a first-round pick. And they had to trade up to get Bryce Young. And if this one doesn't hit, where are you now? Yeah, you're, you're starting from scratch all over again in a few seasons. This is why the first five years, I think, is very important for this new ownership group uh, that's taking over that Michael Jordan is selling to. So Gabe Plotkin has been a minority stakeholder with the with the Charlotte Hornets since 2019. So he's already been part of the organization. So he, along with Rick Schnall, who's a, a, a significant minority owner with the Atlanta Hawks, those are the two main people that are driving the purchase of this majority stake. Now there's some other minority stake uh, owners that are going to be part of the Charlotte Hornets moving forward, including North Carolina's own Eric Church, the country music artist, as well as Hip-hop artist Jay Cole are also investors in this as well. But the first five years is important. I don't know if they have the right head coach and Steve Clifford, a guy that was fired and then rehired because Kenny Atkinson decided to say no last year, the uh, Golden State Warriors assistant, after they fired James Borrega, who had come from the Greg Popovich San Antonio Spurs coaching tree. So they haven't figured out head coach, in my opinion. Mitch Kupchak had success in other places, especially the L.A. Lakers. Do you need to get a new general general manager? And then you're looking at 
And who's, Lamelo Ball being a potential restricted free agent yes. in 2024. So you don't know if you have the coach, you don't know if you have the star, and you've got a big draft pick sitting right here in front of you. Mm-hmm. And what are these new owners going to do? These are well, let's look where they're coming from. These are both equity guys. Yeah. So we got another got finance guys coming in here again. So maybe they won't have the same hubris that Jordan did. Maybe they will be able to separate and empower the right people, mm-hmm. run the business accordingly, or maybe they'll be a little bit like David Tepper has been, which is kind of run it like a fan. And that's your right. It's your team. Yeah. Run it how you see fit. Sure. Interested to see what these guys do. A lot of unknowns over the next five years. So, again, are the investments going to be worth it for them? Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.